Well, you continue to amaze me. Number one, I preached on hell last week and you came back. You know, that, uh, that says a lot about a lot of people. Someone this morning said, you know, for a, for a sermon on hell, that was all right, Pastor. I'm like, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, no, we, we teach the whole counsel of God's Word. We don't, uh, we don't just cherry pick what we like and leave out what we don't. And uh, if, if you did not pick that up last Sunday, go to our website. Uh, there you'll find our podcast. You can get it on iTunes. Uh, we've been talking about eternity, and uh, this morning we're going to shift gears. We're going to go into uh, a little different direction based on uh, just the season of our lives, and we're going to talk about this understanding of what God does to grow us, how God grows us as individuals, how we mature and develop and become strong in our faith, and very foundational teaching this morning. So I ask you to do this. Pick up your Bibles, whatever you get the Word of God on. On Hebrews chapter 10 is going to be our our theme verse. If you just find that, hold that. We'll get there in a few minutes. And as you're turning there, if you also are on you version, you can go to events, and there you can find the sermon notes. You can take notes right there, and uh, just a great way to record those. But before we get there, um, let me just point out one thing that's coming up. We have a lot of fall activities coming up here, but one of the things we're going to do is on uh, our, our birthday service in a couple of weeks, uh, we've invited a group to come and be part of that service to minister to us and to challenge us in the, uh, in the issue of life. And uh, we are partnering with an organization called Love Life Charlotte. And what Love Life Charlotte is doing, it was founded by a businessman here in the Huntersville area that just believes in the power of prayer. How many know that God moves through prayers? You believe that? And uh, one of the areas that we have, from the very beginning of Hope, been very involved in is is we are pro-life. We, we, we say that, and then I always explain that, because in our society today, to be pro-anything means you're anti-something else, and people typically focus on the anti. And yes, we are anti-abortion. We believe in life. Every life is a gift from God, and we do that. But to be pro-life means more than just being anti-something. It means we are pro-all life. We need to be involved from the, from the conception to the, to the grave in people's lives. So we get involved in the schools. We do feeding programs and mentoring programs. We get involved in our, in our community around us. We work with single moms. We, uh, we go do things like in a few weeks we're building a handicap ramp for an uh, elderly person down the road here because they need access into their house. But we believe in all of that. You can't leave out the fact we need to pray for life. And what they've been doing for the last six months is they've been organizing churches, just saying all we're asking is for a church to say, we're going to pray for a week together. We're going to fast on Wednesday together. And on that Saturday, we're going to join other churches at the abortion center. You've probably never been there. And we're just going to pray. That's all we're doing. Because we don't believe that you change anybody's life by screaming at them or holding up signs or anything else to already in a, in a traumatic time in a young lady's life that you're going to represent almost a hatred instead of a love. And so we're going to go and pray. And since they've started this, the abortion rate in our city has declined by 42%. I just got that stat this week. And we're believing that it's going to decline even more as more people choose life. So mark that down on your calendars. It's a little different. We've not done that type of outreach before, but I believe God's going to honor that. If you agree with that, say yes. Would you do that? So you're expecting amen, but yes, there you go. Um, so make sure you're paying attention this morning. Hebrews chapter 10 is where we're going to focus on what I call Velcro Christianity this morning. You know, I'm amazed that you know, anyone you run into today believes they are spiritual. You know, I think that's kind of a common thing. It's a very uh, acceptable thing to say I am a spiritual person. And the truth is we are all spiritual beings. But I'm afraid that so many times people don't understand what, 
what God-pleasing spirituality even looks like, even sometimes within the church. And what I want to teach this morning is really what, what is that? How do we acquire it? And what is it that's kind of left out so often in people's lives that is so important to our development, that's so important to our development? You know, it, I'm not a big formula guy, but I've learned that in some, in some situations in life, there are things that just need to add up, right? If you've not experienced it yet, my wife is a very good cook. I'm just going to say it right now, right up front. First six months of marriage, I put on like 20 pounds, then she was just laying it out there. And uh, great cook. But one of the things I've noticed over the years is it's hard to replicate a recipe, especially when it's up here, you know? And you just kind of work it through and you're like, I'm just like, why did it taste different last time? Oh, well, I added more of this or I changed that. And, And the ingredients matter, right? Well, it's the same in our faith. There are ingredients to our faith that absolutely matter. And yet we find ourselves, and you'll, you'll see this as we go through the Scripture, so often we will leave out one of the most important elements of our faith. We leave out one thing that really God had put in place to build us up, and we're going to talk about that today. Because really there's three elements. There's three key elements that develop us as God-pleasing spiritual followers of Christ. And, and the first one is, is very simple. We, it's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit provides power and motivation in our lives. We talk about that at Hope. Every Sunday at the end of this service, we'll have a response time. I'll challenge you to to ask yourself, what is God speaking to you and what are you going to do about it? And we talk about how to come to know Christ and salvation. And we speak of that in in very uh, word picture terms. We, we talk about stepping over the line, you know, making, a, making an action step, going and changing something in your life to where you step over and you give Jesus control of your life. We call it surrender. And when you surrender your life to Christ and say, that's it, I need you, you can have everything about my life, he does something. He forgives us of our sins. Isn't that a good thing? Whatever we have done in the past, it's done. Whatever, we've, whatever we feel guilty of, what other people have made us feel bad about, he says, I forgive you your sins. And then he adopts us into his family. We become part of the family of God. And then he begins to do something so amazing. He changes us from the inside out. You know, so often I, I know growing up, I, was, I had the concept you had to clean yourself up before you could come to church. I couldn't invite my friends because they were sinners. I mean, you know, what would they be doing in our nice, clean church, right? Uh, but we, that's wrong. Uh, you come to Christ as you are, and then he begins to change us from the inside out. And, you know, sometimes that change is obvious. Have you seen that before? Have you seen where someone's life just like that just changes? I mean, it's like, what happened to the old person? They're new now. But in other times, it's incremental. It's slow. Things begin to just change. You begin to notice that maybe a verse you hear or read all of a sudden kind of comes off the pages and speaks to you. Maybe a song on the radio you, you, you focus in on it. Or maybe where, where you didn't really feel a twinge of moral change in one area, all of a sudden you're going, why do, I, why do I not want to do that anymore? That's the Holy Spirit. That's Him working in us because He gives us the motivation and He also gives us the power. I mean, so much so that Jesus told the early disciples, He said, look, when I go away, it's actually better for you. Because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you, and he's going to now be in you, dwelling in you, walking with you day by day, moment by moment, and he will give you the power and also the motivation to do that, which is good. And we have a choice. We can either, we can either ignore what the Holy Spirit's doing in our lives, or we can grow sensitive to his working in us. In Philippians, Paul says this way. He said, for it is God who works in you to will, desire, and to act, power, in order to fulfill his good purpose. Can you imagine if all we got was one part of that equation from the Holy Spirit? 
Can you imagine having all the power to make great change but have no motivation at all? Like, eh, who cares? Or flip it around. What if you had the motivation, you're like, I want to do good, I want to change the world, I want to see my family just come on fire for God, but yet you have no power to do anything about that. All you would have is frustration. So we've got to recognize we cannot have true God-pleasing spirituality without having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the one who gives us the Holy Spirit. He's the one who places him in our lives. And without him, what we do is we typically we live down to the standards of whatever we have defined spirituality to be. Well, I hadn't killed anybody lately. I guess I'm doing all right. Hadn't cheated on my wife, hadn't done this, hadn't done that. And we start comparing ourselves. Well, I'm better than my neighbor. I'm better than them. And they go to that church. And, and before long, we've taken spirituality and we've brought it down to the lowest denominator, and that is our own moorings, our own values. But God says, no, we need the Holy Spirit. That key ingredient's got to be in our lives. And one of the ways we receive in our lives, and that is through the second key ingredient, that is the Word of God. We need the Bible. You're saying, Pastor Mike, this is really basic this morning. It is, but can I tell you, sometimes we've got to go back to the basics, right, if we're going to understand how to grow in Christ. To, to have the Holy Spirit working in us, we need the Bible to provide guidance and perspective in our lives. You know, one of the scriptures says that the Holy Spirit has a way of reminding us of the Word of God. I, I always liken it this way. If you do not know the Word of God, what can he remind you of? It's kind of like those prayers you used to do in school, right? You hadn't studied, you didn't put in the time at all, but the exam's sitting in front of you, you're like, oh God, work a miracle, give me knowledge right now, quantum physics. I know I didn't study, God, but you're a miracle-working God, please let it happen. You get an F, you fail the test, and now you're mad at God, right? No, because you didn't study. In the same way, the Holy Spirit works with what we do, and that is we put the Word of God into our lives. Second Timothy says this, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Notice this. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You've got to have the Word of God. It equips us. It makes us ready. It makes us available to the Holy Spirit. One of my favorite verses in Scripture about the Word of God is back in Psalm 119. Very long psalm, but in there, some amazing verses that just kind of are those coffee cup verses. You know what I'm talking about? You put them on the coffee cup, you can see them. This is one of those. It says this. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Get the picture, right? Life's dark sometimes. There's a lot of things we don't know what to do. There's a lot of areas we need guidance in. And what the word of God does, it shines light. It says don't, don't step down that path. You're going to trip. You're going to fall. You know, step over this. Go around that. It gives us that guidance we need in life. Think about it. The Bible will not tell you what job you should take but it'll give you all the principles about how to approach the decision and to what job you should accept into your lives, right? Do you know the Bible will not tell you who to get married? I know for all the singles, like, bummer, right? No, it doesn't tell you the person to date or the person to marry, but it does tell you how to have a beautiful relationship and one that is God-honoring and God-pleasing. Why? Because the Bible shines light to us. It allows us to see things that we can't see ourselves. Now, those of you that are parents, you get this. You have a perspective that your kids don't have, don't you? And they totally don't appreciate it at all. And you didn't either when you were kids, right? I mean, it's not till you get like my age, you start realizing your parents are really pretty smart, you know? You're like, you know, dad did know a few things. It's a different perspective because you see things differently than they do, and there's times you have to say to them, don't do that. And their, and their question is what? Why? And what is your answer? 
because I told you so, right? Because we kind of don't have all the answers sometimes, but we know they shouldn't do that because we've experienced the pain sometimes. We've experienced the brokenness. We talked about it last week about why is God angry at sin. It's the same as a parent. You don't get angry at your kids. You get angry at choices they make that you know are leading down paths that could destroy their lives. And you want to see that change in them. See, that's what the Bible does for us. It gives us that perspective. I, I love what is written in 2 Peter. I know I'm throwing a lot of Scripture at you today, but uh, just let this soak in here. It says this in 2 Peter. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. His divine power, Holy Spirit, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Though these have, he, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in this world caused by evil desires. He's saying, look, I've, I've given you the promises. I've given you the path. There, there's so much that you just need to get a hold of. And I, I can't say it any other way. We need to know the word of God. And there are some of you, you're like, well, Mike, that's great. You know, you, 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 you read the Bible, go right ahead. And, and, and some of you are like, I don't read anything. So how are you expecting me to read the Bible? You only read an email. I mean, you know. So, but can I tell you, we live in a day we are so blessed. Maybe you're not a big reader. Maybe you're a listener. Maybe you're not a big reader. Maybe you're visual. We give you right now media. You can have Bible study every day being streamed into your home or on your tablet or wherever you are to help you grow in the knowledge of the Word of God. However you get it. You just have to get it. You just have to get the Word of God into your life. Now, I know for Denise and I growing up in the church in the, in the old days, uh, we struggle with, with Scripture memorization. And the reason why is we grew up on the King James Bible. Can anybody give me a witness right now? Thus and thou and thee and those and nothing wrong with it. But the problem with it is I memorized in King James, I preached out the NIV. So when I quote you a scripture, it's usually the MIV. It's Mike's in, intentional version, okay? It's, it's nowhere that you're going to find on page. It's just kind of a smerging of those two things. But what that memorization did to us is now I know. When I get into that valley we sang about, when I get into a decision I need wisdom on, when I don't know what to do, it's interesting how the Holy Spirit just starts bringing up scriptures you have placed in your mind. And it gives light, and it gives direction, and it makes us whole. So we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Bible. We need to get it into our lives. We need that biblical compass, because most of us don't have our own moral compass pointing in the right direction. It's called sin. And if we follow just our own nature, we will literally go off the path that God wants us to go on. So we need that moral compass that comes through the Word. But there's this third piece, and this is what we're going to focus on. You're wondering if we're ever going to get to Hebrews. It's this third piece of spirituality, of growth, that we tend to leave out. We need the Holy Spirit, we need the Bible, but we also need something that's very, very important in our lives, and that is we need other Christians in our lives. We need other believers in our lives, and not just your mom, dad, grandma, or spouse. We need other people in our lives because other Christians provide support and accountability to us. You see, other Christians supply what the Bible and the Holy Spirit can't do solely by themselves. They, they bring us the things that we can only get through if we have others with us. I mean, just be honest this morning. How many of you have ever really done something stupid and ended up in a ditch, so to speak, in life? Let me see your hands. For the rest of you, we're going to talk about lying later, right? You are perfect. We all do it. We all end up in the ditch. We all make bad decisions sometimes. We all mess up. Well, can I tell you, in the ditch, you can have all the desire and the power of the Holy Spirit in you. 
You can have all the guidance and the word of God and the perspective it gives you. You can tell you, I'm in a ditch. But sometimes you need a person to be the hand of God extended to help you get out of the ditch and to stay out of the ditch. And yet we fight this ingredient more than anything else. We're like, oh, Holy Spirit, that's so wonderfully spiritually sounding. Oh, the Bible, we love the Word of God. But people, come on. They're people. They're imperfect. They're impractical. They're hard to get along. All those things. And we fight against the very thing God says we must have in our lives. Here's the thing. If I'm If I'm not closely connected to other believers in my life that know me, that know how I think, know how I live, know how I act, then I have nobody speaking into my life to help hold me accountable and to support me as I walk with Christ. And I miss this key ingredient to becoming that devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Listen, gang, relationships are not optional. You can't can't get by without them. You can't just push that aside. The Word of God is clear. Hebrews, you knew I'd get there sometime. Hebrews chapter 10 says this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So just think about that. He said, okay, how do we, how do we help each other go forward? How do we help each other grow? It doesn't say, it doesn't say, tell everybody to read the Bible more. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say come into prayer meetings and and wait on the Holy Spirit. That's good, but it doesn't say that. It doesn't say go on a retreat. He says, how do we spur one another on toward love and good deeds? Verse 25, by not giving up meeting together. Now, I always thought, because preachers use this verse to basically tell you show up at church, but really that's not even what it's talking about. That's a good thing, but it's not trying to build up attendance on a Sunday morning. What it's saying is, if we're going to spur one another on, then we've got to be close enough to each other to do that. We've got to be gathered together. We've got to find community together. Why? Because some are in the habit of doing, not, sh- not, being, not coming together, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So the closer we get to the return of Christ, he says, look, this is even more important. You need people in your life. You need to let people know you. You need to open up and let people understand who you are. Because meeting together where you're known and where you know people does something. It builds fellowship where people actually get to know you and still want to be with you. There's connection. There's correction. And there's accountability. You're like, Mike, I don't want any of those things. I don't want connection, correction. I definitely don't want accountability. Then can I tell you this? You're not, you're not ever going to be considered a second-class citizen if you're not part of a community group, which we, we highly recommend here. But I will tell you this, you will be a weak Christian. And you'll be susceptible to temptation and falling much easier than those who are deeply connected. And it doesn't happen on Sunday morning. Can I get a witness? You guys are coming and sit, and all you know is you come and you sit, and you sit behind somebody who has a nice head of hair or a bald person or TV or something, and you, you amen and all that, and then when it's all done, you put chairs up, you go home, and you have not connected to anybody. But you're like, but I've been in church. Yeah, you've been in a church service, and church services are great. I love church services, obviously, a little job you know, description, but I'm not against that. It's just not enough. It's kind of like saying, my teaching's all you need for the rest of the week. <laughs> no. You need to be studying the Word of God. You need to be listening to podcasts. You need to be growing in the Lord. Church service is important. They encourage. You may come in here and you feel lousy. I hope by the time you leave, you feel a lot better this morning because the Word of God hasn't spoken to your heart and the Holy Spirit's gotten a hold of you. You need to be encouraged. You need to be educated, motivated. But it doesn't provide accountability. And honestly, it doesn't provide support. Let's just be honest, it really doesn't. Because you can be anonymous all day long in any size church, and we have to watch that. Even community groups, let's be honest, they go a bit further 
But even, even they're not really far enough because in community groups, what we do is this. We say, I see you, but I really don't know you. And that's why community groups at Hope, we meet weekly. We don't meet once a month or once a quarter. We meet weekly. Because unless you do life together, unless you see people at their best and their worst, you really don't know how to help them uh, get engaged in life. You see, we need both. Why? Because people help us grow. I, I don't know about you. I know at Hope I can't grow anybody. But I do know how people grow. And I know how, how the world is used by God to help us grow. And usually it's by trials. Usually it's by going through a test. Because what testing does to us, it either brings us into this I need to know moment, so we need to increase our knowledge, or I need to grow. I, I'm, I'm really not as strong as I think I am. But I don't know about you, but I don't, in my life, trials and tests never send me a text or an email saying, hey, next Monday it's coming. Have you ever had that? That'd be kind of nice, wouldn't it? But, you know, they never have warned me like, hey, tomorrow your kid's going to go nuts, okay? So just deal with it. Or, or tomorrow the boss is going to go, sorry, you're just a name on a spreadsheet and I had to get rid of 50 of you, so you're out. Uh, it's not going to tell you you're going to go to the doctor thinking you've got a sore throat and they tell you the big C word, oh, you got cancer. It doesn't happen that way. Life comes at us in moments we don't expect. But follow this. If I am connected to the Holy Spirit of God in my life, and I have the Word of God dwelling in me that's given me perspective and helped me grow. And then I have others that know me and care about me and speak into my life that I have everything I need to grow no matter what the situation may be. One of the big impetuses of us starting Hope Church for Denise and I was we were in a position in ministry where we didn't have a church. We were out of church. And we, we didn't get a memo, we didn't get an email or a text saying uh, we're going to end up in an emergency room and life is going to go a little crazy for us for a while. And I sat in a hospital after being a pastor at that time for about 15 years before I went into a consulting kind of role. And I sat there, I said, I have nobody that knows me. All my family's in Texas. They can't get here for two days. And, and something inside of me was like, this isn't Right. And what it was doing was, even in ministry, I'd gotten out of the connection of relationship. Because now all my peers, I was above them, so they didn't want community with me. You know, it was different. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, let's hang out with Mike. He's one of the leaders, but, he, you know, we can get in trouble. We'd say the wrong things around him. And so I'd lost that even environment. I said, God, this is wrong. We need people because life has a way of coming at us in certain directions. And unless we are equipped, we're not going to make it. So let's look at this for just a second. Why is it then that we ignore this third ingredient so much? Why is it we're okay with the Bible, we're okay with the Holy Spirit, but we're just not okay with each other? Let's, let's just kind of break that down this morning into some chunks I think we can understand. And I think the first reason why we ignore this is this. We mistakenly assumed that Christianity is mostly about me and God. It's mostly about my relationship with God. That's a good spiritual term, isn't it? We even ask that question. You think about it in discipleship. Well, how's your personal time with God? It's not even biblical. What we're saying is, you got God, it's you, you don't need anybody else, just make it on your own. But guys, the Word of God shows us we have to have each other. You know, American culture, and this is really a statement about the West here, American culture is so individualistic that it has led us to this mistake. Oh, think about it. We think the most spiritual people how many of you know somebody really spiritual, right? We think the most spiritual people among us are those that spend the most time alone with God. You say, what's wrong with that? 
You can spend all the time alone with God you want, but if you never impact another soul in your life, you haven't even got the gospel flowing through you. You can be an expert on the Bible. You can have calluses on your knees and praying. But if you've not talked to another individual and have a relationship and, and have accountability, then all you're doing, you, you're just kind of being like a, a monastic monk. You're just kind of hanging on until Jesus comes. And that's not what the gospel says we are to be doing. We are to be growing in God and growing in our relationship. And because of that, it has crippled the American church. Because all we've done is focused on two out of the three ingredients. We need relationship. Listen, we measure true spirituality by our obedience to God and our relationships with each other. You say, where do you get that from? From the words of Jesus. Check, check this out. Matthew 22, he was asked a very important question. In Matthew 22, verse 36, it says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? In other words, what do I need to do to really please God and be okay? So what is the most important commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. For all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You can't have one without the other. The Bible says you can't love God and hate your neighbor. You can't say, I love God, I don't like people. You've got, you've got to have that connection in your life. Jesus even said this. He said, look, all men will know that you're my disciples. Why? By your love for me. He said, a new command I've given you, John 13. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So the first thing we've confused is that our relationship with God, it's not just about God and me. It's God, me, and you. It's God, me, and others. You have to have all three. If you leave any part of that out, then you're not growing in God-pleasing spirituality. But the second reason I think we ignore that, and, and this is probably the most critical, is we've confused going to church with being the church. Think about that. We've confused going to church with being the church. I mean, think about it. Nothing really happens, the Bible says, among relationships unless they are connected. That's where iron sharpens iron. They have, to, they have to touch. They have to connect in life for them to have an effect on each other. I mean, think about it. There is so much we cannot do if we just go to church. Here, here's an example. 1 Thessalonians 5. Think about this. How would we do this in this setting? How would we do this verse in this setting? He says, we urge you, brothers and sisters, Warn those who are idle and disruptive and encourage the disheartened, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. How do you know anybody's even idle? You'd be sitting around going, he looks like a slacker. Well, she's, I don't know about her. But how do you even know? I mean, you can't warn anybody. Man, that would talk about splitting a church. Nobody would show back up, right? Well, he called me idle. I'm not going back there again. You can't, you can't carry out the very actions that God says we should do one for another in a church setting. Listen to that. Make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. We just think it's good for each other. We put cologne and deodorant on this morning. That's about as good as it gets because we're not connecting. We're not together. We're not working together to grow in the Lord. Listen to that. We can't even have authentic Christian life if all we have is Sunday mornings. We just can't have it. And that's why the American church is crippled. And it's simply this, and this is an indictment to, to pastors and to church leaders. And that is, we've started seeking the crowd rather than the individual. What, did they show up? Yeah, I can't tell you who was there, but they showed up. We should care more about the individual than the crowd. 
They're going to have a crowd at the Muslim center being built down the road from us. They're going to have a crowd at the, at the Hindu temple. They're going to have a crowd at the cult gathering. Crowds don't impress God. He died for us individually. And we need to know each other individually if we're going to grow in God. And that's why this is so important. Listen, guys, it's so simple, but we don't grasp it. The reason relationships are so important is this. We live better when someone else is watching in our lives. We live better. We do better when someone else is walking alongside of us, holding us accountable, and helping us grow in the Lord. Can I tell you, anonymity is, is fine. And you can find anonymity in large settings, and that's okay, but can I tell you, if people don't know you, you kind of live the way you want to. Simple observation, you that travel. I used to travel a lot, so I get this. Why is it outside of every airport, right by the, by the um, rental car places, right? Why is it that by every one of those, you'll find four to five strip clubs all in a row? Think about that. Why? Because people are now outside of where people actually know them. And they'll do things they would never do back home. The Bible says the world's smarter than we are. They, they know where temptation should be. Think about that. If we don't have accountability, so often our natural inclinations take over. The next thing you know, we're, we're doing what we shouldn't be doing. So we live better when someone is watching us. We, we live with this bogus right to privacy. We're all about privacy. And I can tell you, that, that's a tough one for me. Someone that grew up on a farm in Texas, you know, my closest neighbor was several acres that way, and I didn't have to see him. I like privacy. I'm a private person. But I realize if I'm going to be a spiritual strength, if I'm going to have life in myself, I've got people know me. They've got to know me so well they can speak into my life. You see, peer pressure can be good if it leads to living out a dynamic, faith-filled life. You say, well, I don't, I don't want people to know me. I'm just private. I'm married, for goodness sake. She knows me. Family's not enough. Because sometimes in that dynamic, you don't even get the, the pureness of accountability. Because to be truthful, we're not as transparent as we'd like to say we are. Y'all getting this this morning? You see, if we're going to grow in Christ, we need to have the Word of God, we need to have the Holy Spirit, and we need to have others speaking into our lives. Ephesians 5 says this, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the world. So live as children of light. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. It all has to be there if we're going to walk in this way. There's a third reason that it's so important. And that is the Bible has so many commands that we can never, ever fulfill unless we're working together in relation with each other. In fact, there are over 30 New Testament one another's that we're supposed to do uh, to live out this godly life. But can I tell you, we can't do it in these settings at all. We can't do it in a church setting. Think about it. Let me ask you a question this morning. Who are you putting up with in life? And don't point to your spouse, okay? Who are you putting up with? Because the Bible says in Ephesians, we are to be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Do you know that you do not have to bear with anybody in this service this morning? If they sing awful, you just kind of point your ear the other way. If they're not nice, you find another seat the next week. Or if you're really American, you just go find another church because we don't like, you know, work through things. Uh, so who are we bearing with? But can I tell you, if you're in a community group, you're bearing with somebody. Because there's always an EGR in every group. You know what EGR is? Extra grace required. They're all over the place. 
Can anybody say Justin? He's not in here this morning. I can mess with him. Right? We, we all have to bear with these. He'll listen to the podcast. We always have to bear with somebody because the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. The old pastor I grew up under used to talk about spiritual sandpaper. He says, God has a way of putting spiritual sandpaper next to you. And I'm like, I don't want spiritual sandpaper. Inevitably, God gives us spiritual sandpaper. What is that? That's a person that rubs you the wrong way. And it doesn't mean they're not a Christian. It just means their personality may be so different from yours, it's going to knock off some of the rough edges around you so you begin to love people for who they are and not try to make them to be like yourself. This is good preaching. I'm like, yeah, all right. Who are you showing hospitality to? Who are you showing hospitality to? 1 Peter 4, 9, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. What that means is, how am I showing love to strangers? Because hospitality and entertainment are two different things. Entertainment is you're welcome at my house when I have finished painting, hanging pictures, it is clean, there's food in the table, the dog is like at the kennel because it won't bite anybody, and now you're welcome to my house. That's entertainment. Hospitality is you show up and knock on my door, and I'm in my shorts and t-shirt, weather watching the game, but you showed up, and I have to go, oh, welcome. So good to see you. Come on in. Put your feet up on my couch. It's okay. Don't even take your shoes off. Just welcome to my house. Well, the Bible says we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to be offering hospitality. Here's a good one. Whose burdens am I bearing? Who do I care enough about them that I'm actually carrying their burdens? I'm praying for them. Galatians says carry each other's burdens, and this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. You see, when I'm known, others can see that I need help. They can see that I'm going through something, and they don't disappear when I'm going through a trial so that we don't disappear when we go through a trial. I I don't get this about church in America. We come to church when things are good, but if things get bad, what do we do? We run from it. We're like, oh, no, I can't be in the body of Christ. They may actually help me. Just a pastoral moment there, sorry. I, I, I get a little, anyway. Here's the truth. We're very good in the U.S. at writing checks for burdens. We're just not good about carrying other people's burdens. Because, again, we're individualistic. So what do we say? How you doing? What's our answer? Fine. I'm fine. I'm dying inside, but I'm fine because I'm not about to tell you. Well, then bless your heart. That's how we usually finish it up then, right? Which doubly means, if you're new to the South, I really don't care. So... Um, that's just learning our lingo. But we need to learn to bear each other's Oh, last one. I shouldn't have even written this one. Who am I confessing my sin to? <laughs> yeah, can you see that church service? Okay, everybody stand right now and confess your sins one to another, right? How many would show up the next week for that church service? <laughs> hey, too much information there. I don't want to know that. I am, oh, by the way, for y'all that were raised Catholic, I am not your priest. Just telling you right now, I don't need to know your sins. Don't want to, but I can pray. Y'all laughed. I've, I've had this at Hope a lot. I know we're a very mixed group there. Listen, I'm not, I'm not the priest. We are all priests in Christ Jesus, amen? I'm your pastor. Very different thing. So uh, just need to insert that there. So think about that. The Bible says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Guys, it's never gonna happen in a setting like this. It's just socially unacceptable. But when you get to know people, you spend time with them, and you open your life to them, there comes a point when you're struggling with a sin, you can go to a brother 
Or you can go to a sister and you can say, I'm blowing it. I'm just being so tempted right now. Help me. I have, I have three overseers in my life. They're three pastor friends of mine that uh, they help govern our church. They know me that well. There, there's times the conversation's raw. There's times they walk me off the cliff. I'm just like, I'm done. No, you're not. Yeah, I'm done. Or I'll call them like, I'm just vexing to blow it. No, you're not. I'm praying for you. You know, they're just, they know me so well they can speak into my life. And can I tell you, there's so many times if I didn't have that, I don't know what would happen. Because we need to learn to walk together in this life. And finally, we're going to wrap it up here. The reason it's so important is this. If no one knows me, then no one will help me. If no one knows me, then no one will help me. People live in anonymity. But then they complain when they don't find anyone to help them when they need something in life. This is, this, this is an indictment, guys. It's an indictment. We've got to get past this. Two weeks ago, we go out. It was actually last weekend. We go out. We're going to help out a family in need in our community, right? We're going to do some work around the house, fix some things, da, da, da. And so my job as I go out there, since I'm not able to do physical things yet as my arm's recovering, I'm like, well, my role is to go, do they know Jesus, right? So I, I go in after we get everybody out cutting trees and stuff. I go and sit down with them. I said, hey, I'm just curious. Do, do, you, do you have a church that you attend? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, I go to the church right down on the corner. I'm like, do you know the pastor? Oh, he's awesome. He's great. We love the pastor. What a great guy. And I'm sitting there going, then why isn't your church being in the church unless you know them, but they don't know you? We like anonymity until we come in need. And guys, I'm telling you, we need to run to help, not run from it. We live in this none of your business. It's between God and me society. But the Bible says in Proverbs 12, it says the man who hates correction, this is not my word, but the Bible is stupid. Straight up. You say, Pastor, this, this either is so basic, I'm just like, get me to the football game, or this hit me between the eyes. And I know a lot of you, and I know myself. I have great friends in this church. I have great friends in my life. And I know that I can go through seasons where I don't think I need anybody. And I can look back over my life, and in those seasons, I can tell you this, I trip, I fall, I do stupid things, and I usually end up mad at myself. But when I've let other people come into my life that care about me, that know me, then I have found a strength that God ordained and designed when he said it's not good that man should be alone. You see, if we're going to have true spirituality, God-pleasing spirituality, then we all need support and accountability. Why? Because we need each other. So here's my question today to you. We're going to close in prayer. How are you doing? How are you doing? Do you have that? Not, not, not within your family. Family does good, but family can't be all that. How are you doing? Who knows you enough to speak into your life? And who are you helping grow? Why don't you stand with me this morning? We're going to pray. I was reminiscing this morning over just, I had the privilege of growing up in, in church. I wouldn't say it's healthy or unhealthy, it, big, it was just church, that's all we knew back then. But the interesting thing I remember is this, there was this concept back then 
that everybody was looking out for everybody else. Now, some took it too far and it turned into gossip and that kind of stuff. But I remember as a teenager, I had men in my church speaking to my life besides my dad, because again, dad didn't know anything, right? I remember when I was dating Denise, I had couples come up and say, hey, you guys obviously are, you got a thing for each other, so uh, let's tell you how to keep it in the way it ought to be, all right? Help you out. And there was connection, and there was dynamic, and there was something going on in that church. Guys, that's what we want to capture at Hope. If you want to be anonymous, I can point you a lot of places to go. But even in large settings, you can get into people's lives. We want to encourage you. We're going to be putting up community groups here in a few weeks, kicking back off in the fall semester. And again, some of you can't be in one. Your job schedule won't let you do that. That's okay. You're not a second-class citizen. It's just you need to find it somewhere. Maybe it's a group of guys at work. Maybe it's some, some ladies that they're in your neighborhood. You can get together in a Bible study and pray and get to know each other. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a team you're on or, or, or like here, the setup crew or others. We have, we have opportunity to speak in each other's lives. But the bottom line is you need it. I need it. And we need to ask God to help us do that.